Hello, welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza, joined here by Chris Anderson. We are proudly part of the Earsports Network and honestly crossing our fingers here working through new audio. Hopefully it sounds better. This may be the seventh or eighth take. I'm not going to let you in on that secret. But something that only took one take from me was the depth chart that we put up on our website earlier in the week called it a speculative look at the two deep as we enter spring football and here to speculate with me and to have fun at my expense is chris anderson who has already warned me that you have plenty of things to unload uh i don't i wouldn't say unload but i got some thoughts i got some questions for you uh all around i'm just i'm ready to get back to our knucklehead ways mike i feel like we've gotten too serious on this podcast over the last couple of months and and haven't quite ruffled any feathers with any knuckleheadedness speculation well if we can't get sharp now in the spring then it's hopeless for us because we have to build on our season which is exactly what neil brown is trying to do here as i put names on paper and tried to move parts around to put the best two deep together it occurred to me um there are some actually many good signs a couple concerning signs and plenty of action that we can anticipate as far as uh, movements up, movements down, and maybe even movements around, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We can get into details as it relates to those little dynamics there, but from your perception, as you read my wise words, and I'm sure it came up with your own wiseacre comments, similar impressions? Did you see good outnumbering bad? Did you see a lot of things that maybe are beneath the surface? How did you digest the situation on the field? My first thought was, there is more good than bad. I felt like there were several strong position groups, um, some spots on the field that West Virginia should feel pretty confident about heading into the spring, much less the fall. And then I kind of had to remind myself because at first I was like, oh man, it is thin at this spot and thin at that spot. But guess what? It's always thin in the spring. That's the point. Like the new class, the, the old class, the senior class is out and the new guys who are supposed to be replacing them in this scholarship chart or uh, on the team aren't yet here. Uh, you know, a handful are, a handful enroll early, a couple, tra- you know, new transfer. Um, we'll get here in January and stuff like that. But for the most part, the team that is supposed to replace the departing seniors does not get here to the summer. So the spring is always, even in West Virginia's best years, pretty darn thin. I think ordinarily people would want to start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'll tell you what, let's be controversial right away and start on defense. Okay. Obvious strength, I think, and it's going to be um, a story, I think, right away, is that the defensive line is maybe top-heavy, has a second layer, may have some time and some talent to use to get to a third layer, and maybe sooner than later. But it, it seems to me it begins and ends when you talk about strengths on defense and maybe even the roster with the starting lineup on that defensive line. Agree? Absolutely. I mean, you basically have four more or less starters, guys that were routinely in the game when they were healthy. Obviously, Austin's a little a little off because he, he got hurt, missed most of the season. But he was starting before that happened or was right there with Pooler. I believe, actually, we realized that Pooler was the starter and Austin was his backup but was playing the same number of snaps. Um Darius Stills also starting back all big 12 performer Dante Stills could be an all big 12 performer once he starts getting you know the lion's share of the reps um and you got him as the starting defensive tackle this time around I could definitely see that and so you got those four guys and then Jordan Jefferson who 
also had a, a spot start here. You know, he's a true freshman last year, so they weren't asking him to do too much. But for him to be able to do even that little bit as a true freshman is a good sign. He's in there. Um, and then I think after that five, yeah, granted, I think you got maybe two or three, then a couple more, just like you said, layering down to the next level. And then you're getting into the the young guys and how will they develop and hopefully they only have to play a handful of snaps and we can see how they go from there. Yeah. The question mark, I think as far as the people that are here is Jalen Thornton. Can he be a tackle right away? A number two defensive tackle. How much can he let Dante stills rest and be effective? Also on campus, Quay Mays, big guy, probably not a defensive end. Um, so he's a tackle guard, which one I don't know. You're more familiar with him than I am and probably many of our listeners are as far as his strengths and potential and, more importantly, what the coaches think of him. Where do you think he starts and where do you think he ends up? I could see him at either of those spots because, yeah, he, he's, he has the body more of a, of a nose tackle, of a nose guard, but his skill set and the way he gets after the ball, the way he gets into the backfield is more of, say, that, that kind of bigger defensive end type, that defensive tackle. Um, he's not quite the athlete that Dante Stills is. Um, but I would say he's more similar to Darius Stills uh, and and could kind of give them a little flexibility. Recruiting class guys, uh, in addition to Mays, people who were on campus, we actually it's just Mays really, but I don't know, guys who may be enrolling in June or later, um, maybe some need, but who are candidates to, not in the spring, but to maybe clean up and, and fill in a hole after the spring. Well, I really like Sean Martin. I think he was somebody that, you know, once I saw him in person, was able to confirm those measurables, which is always important when you're looking at these defensive line guys. He's legit 6'5", 6'6", absolutely 250, 260 pounds, and could add on, um, you know, another 20, 30 pounds without issue. Uh, He's got a great frame on him, long arms. Um, He is... I would be stunned if he didn't at least get into that four game mark, you know, trying to keep that red shirt, but at least see in the field and Akeem Mesador, he's, he's in a similar situation. His body has transformed a lot already over the last, over his high school career. So I'm interested to see what they want to do with him once he gets here, how much more are they going to try to bulk him up and how soon could he really, you know, make an impact. He might be another guy that might be one year away, but, you know, maybe seven or eight games in, the stories start leaking out from scout team about how, hey, this this Mesador kid is really darn good. You want to jump off a cliff? Huh? You want to jump off a cliff here? Go. Let's go from the defensive line to the linebackers. Okay. You, you scared me with, with with that. Do you want to jump off a cliff? I thought we thought we were going for take number 10 here on this podcast. <laughs> it's a pretty steep... Uh, drop here from promising, you know, first five or maybe six on the defensive line to honestly, there's not six reliable, known, high quality players on campus at linebacker right now. There are bodies, there's 10 linebackers, and it's, I think, six scholarship players, four walk ons. I think they like some of the walk ons. They're going to get a chance, and then some guys are coming, you know, in the summer. But let's focus in the spring here because it's a position that has to improve. Um, I'm not altogether sure that. The guys who are here right now will factor into decisions that will be made in August and onward, but um, just starting at Bandit and Mike, which are similar but also very important positions, um, you know, your Bandit spot, 
could be any one of a number of people. It could be Vandarius Cowan. It could be Jared Bartlett. We saw very little of either one of them. We also saw Dylan Tonkery, who perhaps is a Mike, um, at Bandit late in the season. And if he's not the Mike, then you kind of go to who? I don't know. Maybe it's Bartlett. Maybe it's Cowan. Um, this seems like, I don't know if musical chairs is the right word, but it does seem like it's going to be kind of plug-and-play, experiment, trial by error, so to speak. Um, I think they have people there and a lot of potential, but hardly any knowns, up to and including Tonkery, who, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been injured. He's been slowed. He's been, you know, sometimes looked the part, sometimes has looked like it's gotten the better of him. They've moved him around, and he's done things, so you know they like him. But two positions, three people, and maybe guys that they're waiting on to actually show up in one or both of those spots. Yeah, this this is the biggest concern for me on the entire team, this position group. And really, I'm not sure who you can trust out of a lot of those guys. Uh, Tonkery, I've shared my feelings on him in the middle. I, I like him more as, as a will or something outside. And Mike, I just feel like he gets caught up too often. I mean, he is a guy who started and played the majority of snaps for the entire season at Mike linebacker in this defense for this defense that was on the field a lot this season. Mm -hmm. And he had several games where he would have one tackle, zero tackles, two tackles. Those are not numbers that a linebacker should be having when he's playing, starting and playing the majority of the snaps with this defense and with the number of snaps that that, that defense was on the field. So for me, um, you said they were similar bandit Mike, I feel like they have to give Cowan a second look at Mike. I think it depends on how well he can um, kind of adapt to. Would you say the Mike does the Mike handle most of the play calling in this defense? Like as far as the defensive stat, like understanding how it lines up and where guys are going. Ideally, but it might just be your best and smartest defensive player at some point too, which could be I don't know Sean Mahone. I don't think that would be a very effective thing. So ideally, it would go to your guy who's literally in the middle of it. Right, so I think I think that's a big reason why Tonkery might stay because he does know the defense. He's been in it. Uh, he's had experience out there. But at some point, you also have to have playmakers out there. And Tonkery too often just disappears for long stretches. And I'd like to see Cowan get a second look in the middle and maybe keep Bartlett out there at Bandit. And again, I don't know what your other options are. Zach Sandwich is a guy that, that finished his career a year early. Um Jake Abbott's a former walk-on that's that that's the backup currently. And there's nobody in this class that was really viewed as a surefire Mike to come in and help. They brought in a bunch of bandits, three guys, all three linebackers that they signed in this class are currently listed by the school as bandits. And so there's going to be lots of help coming there, some versatility there. So I think you'll definitely see Cowan at least get another look in the middle this spring. Yeah, I would think that your best two athletes there are Cowan and Bartlett. And you, at sooner or later, you need speed and impact, like you said. So I really wonder how much we'll see of one or both of them playing at times or getting a full dose of play in the middle. Uh, but Tonkery being an adequate default, if it doesn't work out for one or both of them, you could do worse than Dylan Tonkery. You don't want to, but I, I agree with your critiques there, too. Um, a possible Mike and a guy who started, I believe, a game at Mike but certainly played there last year is Josh Chandler who was playing Will, and um, I don't know, physically, athletically, is he a Will or is he a Mike? Um, you kind of need to have some of that same skill. you got to be able to move around and get off blocks and dash and go downhill. 
Um, but he did play it last year and at a time where they were really trying to shore up the run and they wanted a bigger body and a run stopper in there. And he kind of did all right, didn't last there very long. Um, but that's another possibility, which just kind of adds to the, you know, the dexterity of the situation here. If you move him from Will to Mike, that's great. Now you're pouring X3 low into like first team reps, a lot of them at that position, unless moving Chandler supplants Tonkery and makes him the will, which you seem to like, and I don't think is altogether crazy. It does seem like he could do that. Um, but yeah, Chandler, we haven't even discussed. We're talking about wills, but he might be a Mike as well, too. My, I guess my point is that these cards are just going to get tossed up in the air and they're going to land some way by the coach's uh, decision by the end of the spring. But it, it could look completely different than how we have it on paper or even how we're discussing it right now because of guys like Chandler. And I think that's the best approach, too, because uh, linebacker was not great last year and it's getting thinner. And spring's the time to experiment. So I think they're going to try a bunch of different options, and they should. Were you surprised to learn that Charlie Benton is still on the roster? <laughs> uh, no, but only because I had been monitoring the situation since last year, you know, when he was coming off a year where he was a starter and then was not even traveling with the team. So I had been regularly checking up to see if he was still on the team. Um considering that situation a scout team guy last year too so i honestly wonder i mean i don't know that they're going to invest in him i really don't that's something else to keep an eye on too because that was your starting sam uh last season the 2018 season first quarter or first half of the first season he gets knocked out with an acl he gets back i think he was with the team at the start of spring last year um he and hensley i believe so they recovered pretty quickly and were back on the field Never really saw either one of them play very much, but Benton's athletic, uh, has some of that safety slash linebacker skill, which you kind of like. Um, could be a will. He actually was initially slotted to be a bandit. Um, I don't know. Is this a do you punt on this guy? Do you use him in the spring, or do you say he's not part of our plans? There's no guarantee he'll be on the campus um, on the 16th of May, and you just try to give other guys a look. I mean, this he seems like a wild card to me somehow. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of giving him time last year, but obviously that wasn't happening. So, it, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Try to get him out there for this spring and see what would happen. And but like you said, he's coming up on his senior year, and why spend a lot of time on him if if he's not part of the future of the program? I think we'll know pretty quickly if he's just a guy on the field and he's not even a name on a two deep. And they probably know that he's maybe already packed up and he's leaving after this, but. Um, boy, it's kind of hard to land anywhere right now. So maybe he realizes that this grass is actually pretty green over on this side. Perhaps I don't need to go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. And maybe the coaches look around and, and say, this guy's not too bad. He has some twitch, which kind of brings me back to this. Two people we haven't even talked about yet are Dante Wright and Jeff Coons. Uh, new eyes, new situation here. It could be a negative in that maybe players who progressed and who Blake Seiler and Al Pogue, uh, had an affinity for or understood and knew what they could and couldn't do. Um, you know, they got they get reset by new eyes and new coaches who have to learn those same things. But it may also be good, too, for similar reasons where biases and negatives don't exist and a clean slate is good for everybody. And perhaps if everybody's starting from scratch, then you make up ground quicker um, if you're not working from a deficit like you might have with other coaches, too. But from what little we know about these coaches and how they're getting to know this defense, it might be impossible to predict, but 
you think they have a type or do you think that they're going to kind of put who they want as far as body types or skills? It might be different definitions for how they get to bandit or how they get to spear, for example, which hasn't entered this conversation. Um, or is this all a Vic Koenig thing and it's going to be his, um, his quorum here? Well, I guess it depends on who do you think has final say? I mean, I think we've had discussions about this on the record publicly or even off, but like who gets to make the decisions over who is starting at what positions? Is it, is it Vic Koenig's final call? Is it the position coach? Is it the head coach? Um, because if it's up to the linebackers coach, you're right. We got two new linebackers coaches. We got guys returning from injury. We got new guys coming in. It could be a complete and total free for all at all three linebacker spots. And, but that's not going to stop knuckleheads like us from speculating on it. And maybe, hypothetically, we did hear once or twice last year about a guy thinking he was starting and all of a sudden something was changed. So perhaps, in practice or in theory, we're just speaking out of experience here, too. (laughs) Maybe it happened once or twice last year. We're not sure. Let's move on to cornerbacks. Um, I like this one more than I did before I sat down. Um, And what we kind of figured here was... Obviously, Nick Troy Fortune, because he played the most out of anybody who's on the roster this year. And then you're going with guys who either didn't play or barely played. And I don't know how the combinations will work out, but you're looking at Tavian Mayo, Dre Miller, and Alonzo Adai. And there's some possibilities that that could help out there, too. One starter, clearly Fortune. Who do you think begins or even ends up as the other starter? How would you handicap that? And then what do we think of four or maybe more people here? This is this is the position group that message boards and spring football are made for. Guys that you're just <laughs> always excited about for the potential who could do what. I almost like we're better off with these new guys who could be amazing than the guys who were pretty darn good before cuz yeah, I mean I'm I'm with you. I thought the same thing when you were told me you were making this depth chart. I was like, "Well, cornerback's going to suck." And then I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm talking myself into Dre Miller. Like, hey man, he's a four-star recruit, committed to LSU, could be pretty darn good. Is he the next Rasul Douglas? And then Alonzo Adai, hey, he was already playing. He just had to sit out last year. Maybe he's bigger, stronger, faster this year. Um, so you got my you got me talking myself into it that maybe cornerback's not gonna be that bad. If Miller had enrolled six weeks ago, you'd be pretty excited. Yeah. So why wouldn't we be as excited right now? He hasn't done anything. He got hurt. Um, and maybe he's lost a step or he needs to prove to himself that he still has it. But, like, essentially he's a guy who just enrolled. We don't know anything about him. We just know that his credentials were pretty impressive. He was a highly coveted player, uh, was supposed to go to the eventual national champion. Um, but if he enrolled a couple weeks ago, I think everybody would be pretty pumped about that. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's some help in the young guys too, you know, uh, we've all seen Jairo Favras. Uh, we saw him at camp last year. He's 20 years old, so he's not your typical high school freshman. He could come in and provide some depth. And we've heard a lot of positive things about to Corey Turner too. Um, you know, he didn't get there until late, and he had to redshirt, but he could be somebody who could also kind of make an impact pretty pretty quickly if what we heard about him was true. I don't want to get into those names yet because they're going to factor into our conversation we're about to have because some of these guys could be safeties um, that we haven't talked about yet, too. So let's go to the safety spots. Uh, Spear, 
pretty obviously you would think Tyke Smith, but also maybe he's just really good and he becomes a free safety, um, which they need. But also Kerry Martin's back there. Cat is probably Sean Mahone's, but uh, I don't know. Perhaps he serves more value as the free safety, which he did play a little bit last year before he moved to Cat. Norwood was just a better option at free safety. Um, this is one of those situations where, yeah, you got names, Martin, Mahone, and Smith. I think that you would logically just transition them to where they had played, but you could also see it making sense where perhaps there's some movement there too. And there are some underneath guys who you think might play. Noah Guzman looked pretty good when he played last year. Um, I'm not sure who the backup spear is right now, and I'm not sure who the backup free or, or excuse me, who the backup cat would be right now too, but similar to the defensive line. A pretty good front line. You know, the first three guys are pretty good. And then there's at least experience or talent, let's say potential, on the second team. Yeah, I really like the idea of, of Guzman. I don't know where he really fits, which position is best. Because I think when he got that start and had such a good game, wasn't that when, when Koning switched to that kind of four one six look? Something similar? Yes, it was. Yeah, so uh, I'm curious where he his future is. Because he, he was put in a very unique situation and responded extremely well but does does that translate to long-term free long-term cat whatever it is um i think it'll be interesting to see what he does this spring and where they kind of fit him in on this defense because i think there is a role for him and they'll find snaps for him but i'm with you i think they're going to try to maybe move a couple guys over from the cornerback spot to especially provide depth but uh then you're getting into that whole Robin Peter to pay Paul thing because I don't I'm not sure cornerback cornerback is deep enough to rob from to help safety. Um, if it, it should be the other way around, unfortunately, but I I think that's why they're going to have to get some more bodies in the next class too because it, it's pretty thin back there. Let's stick here for a second. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jairo Jaido. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Dutch kid who's over here. Um, we'll figure out how to say his name eventually. I've heard multiple pronunciations from coaches, so JF will call him. Um, Jackie Matthews, he's only a junior college All-American. Um, we don't exactly know if Alonzo Adai is definitely a corner. He had played safety. To Corey Turner, you and I have talked to people who think he's probably going to be a safety before too long. Maybe that's now, but he's a big, big kid who can run. That's kind of nice a corner. I think this is going to be a really cool part of the spring because, you know, some of these corners are on the clock because David Vincent O'Coley is, I think, certainly playing. Um, so you're working from a position of depth here maybe right now, but you also know you could be experimental and give these guys some type of a moonlighting opportunity elsewhere in the defensive backfield too. Matthews and Turner seem in particular like they're going to move around just to figure out, you know, their time is ticking, so let's get them on the field. A little bit more time for the freshman uh, favorites and – uh, I think that maybe a die is probably going to be a corner. They've kind of moved in there, but who knows? Maybe one of these other guys steps forward and they have some flexibility and they can move a die too. But um, these fringe players, um, definitely a part of the spring. you have any idea or, or hunches what you might see? Uh, I think it it's funny that same person we were talking to kind of presented to at least the way I heard it is that safety was the more difficult position to play in this defense so that the younger, more inexperienced guys might actually have a clearer or easier path to playing at corner and providing depth there and then moving to safety later in their careers. And that's kind of, you know, when people ask me about Jairo, uh, that's what I think he might do. I think he might provide some depth at corner before eventually moving to safety because his body just screams to me as somebody that, that 
is going to play safety. And Jackie Matthews, that one's a little different because he's a JUCO player, and he was listed as a cornerback by a lot of people. And I think even on the All-America team, I can't remember if he was listed as a, a CB or a DB, but a lot of his film was at safety. And even when Neil Brown and the school announced him, they kind of hedged a little bit and I, I believe called him a safety or he just called him a defensive back instead of a cornerback. So I think you could see him uh, more at safety as well. Switch to offense now and let's start with the uh, the free safety of the offense, uh, the quarterback position. Uh, I, I'm a heads or tails guy. I don't like oars. I don't like shades of gray. Um, I also have no feel for how Neil Brown is going to approach this because it's pretty delicate, but my hunch is that we'll see a depth chart with Daigie or Kendall. I think it's probably Daigie's job to win or lose, but maybe more lose than win just because he was better and hit his three starts in four games. But there is some fragility here because there's only three quarterbacks. And let's be honest, there's a chance that this doesn't work out for Austin Kendall, that he's out of his apartment and he's onward to somewhere else in the fall. So great timing here, by the way, because not four minutes ago, I got a text from one of our national writers at 24-7 Sports asking me something. He's working on something and asked me to start, is Jarrett Dagey West Virginia's starter next year? Uh, I answered yes pretty quick. I, any any disagreement with that to start? No. Okay. And then the next is, I only watched a little bit. Would you consider him any better than average? Question mark. Do you no, want to handle that question. one? That's that's why I was like, great, great. I haven't answered him yet because I wanted to hear, you know, I want to throw it at you and see what you say. And because I have some thoughts, uh, but like you said, he saw just some of West Virginia play last year. And obviously, Diggy only played a little bit last year. But, and we saw some improvement, I think, or I saw some improvement. I don't want to speak for you, but uh, the offense as a whole was not too much better what was it averaged about 20 points a game in the last few when he was at quarterback so what's the answer here i think that stats can be misleading sometimes again some of your faith in daggy is going to rely upon how much you believe in him breaking the pocket and winging a pass to bryce william and how much you think that kendall is not capable of throwing the pass that he did to esdale against tcu um those are two flashy plays for Daigie that really, I would say, swung the season. It, it kind of lets you win two of those games, Kansas State and TCU, and wins go in his column. And winning performance from a quarterback certainly stacks the deck in his favor. So does that mean that Kendall wouldn't have been able to bro- break the pocket and hit an open receiver? Does that mean he can't make that throw? It, it's such a narrow thing. It's really a razor's edge right here as we try to separate these two. But I stepped back, and I've, I've gone back and I looked at stuff, and like, it's just more crisp and confident, and I don't know if it's because the players around him wanted to change and wanted to make it work, or if they knew that they had maybe let down Kendall, who's a pretty popular player, and they didn't want to let down Daigie or, or let down their coaches or their teammates or whatever. It just was different in the second half of the season. Uh, I want to see how real that is right now. I want to put my quarterback and my offense in high-stress situations. If my defense is as good as I think it might be, if I'm Koenig or Brown, I'm going to turn the heat up a little bit in the spring, and I'm going to see which one of my quarterbacks responds to things more, and I think that's how we get our answer because you're right. Um, the stats were not 10-8 rounds. It was not some sort of a TKO in this competition, but I think if you use your eyeballs, you can just say this one looked better than that one did, and that's enough for me to start with right there. Okay, great. I'm going to text back and take full credit for that answer. Thanks, Mike. But what's the answer? Does, 
maybe or maybe with a question mark maybe with an exclamation point but what is he better than just average yeah yeah i said i I think he is an above average quarterback but i'm not going so far as great yet gotta see limited i said limited time uh limited help so we have uh, not seen his ceiling yet right no i don't think so have we seen kendall's Hmm. Who has played less football than Daigie? People forget that. He has played right. less football than Daigie. He's been on the college campus more, and he's been on, I guess you would say, better teams. That's hardly any type of comparison point there. He's on Oklahoma for a couple of years, and Daigie was on Bowling Green for two. Um, but Daigie started more, prepared as a starter for two full seasons. He got the practice reps. He's he's played more. He's prepped more to be the starter. Um, we've not seen Kendall get much beyond what he did last year, and Maybe he was compromised because of his hand or a bad offensive line or a running game or an offensive staff that was trying to find itself, too. I really don't think you can totally abandon him because what if Daigie's not real? Or what if, you know, you're four games in next year and you say, this looks a lot like it did the first four games last year. Maybe we need to change things. If they're if they're 2-2 two and two or 1-3, and three, what are you doing? I know we can't answer that question right now, but that's why I think the spring is so important. I don't think you can just – put him on the shelf because he might leave or he might not leave or whatever. But I don't think you can put him on the shelf because you're 100% certain Diggy is the guy. Well, to be quite honest with you, with Garrett Green's dodgeball skills, I know where I'm turning. So speak for yourself. Moving on. Let's go to the running back (laughs) position. (laughs) I'm going to get blocked on Twitter because of that, I know. Running back position, uh, different than before. We do not have a crowd. We're not going to have – multiple multiple stories about how it's the best meeting room in the building because it's not um they have maybe a guy and then maybe a guy who's going to make a move i think we're talking about letty brown and tony mathis there um it seems weird to me but it seems like sparrow is the guy that they might have to wait on to see if he can add some legs and some punch here because it's it's those two. It's Alex Singfield, who was a receiver at the end of last season. He's back and running back now. And then it's some walk-ons who I do think they like when it comes to Lorenzo Dorr and TJ Capan? 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 Not sure. They mm. like him. They moved Truck Edwards, who was a burly, big type of running back at Bluefield, but he was a linebacker at Pitt and then here. He's uh, been moved to running back now. So what that tells me is they're going to try to work on their run game an awful lot in the spring because they can but there's only three guys who are probably going to get handoffs in the spring. Um, can Lady Brown stay healthy? Can he be more productive? Um, is he as good as his offensive line? Can he make the offensive line better? I think it's a really big spring for him as much as anybody else on offense and maybe even defense. Yeah, I think uh, here soon, probably next week, I had intended on doing a you know, look at the guys who – this is kind of a make-or-break spring, at least as far as getting in position to make a difference this fall. And he was going to be on my list. This I don't, I'm not predicting like him leaving or anything like that, but I feel like it's been a couple years now. He's had to share that load with a couple older players. He's had these, you know, moments of greatness and then moments of we forget that he's even on the team. And this is his big opportunity. This is his opportunity to not only take the job for this year, but potentially the year after that, and make something more of his future you want to go to inside receiver or outside receiver 
uh, man, you know how much I screw that up. I got X's and Z's and Z's in my slots and everything else. So you, you take me where you want to go. Let, I'll, let's take I'll a wide take, receiver because let's take a wide receiver because it's pretty exciting maybe because they have really everybody back and guys who had high points um, and then maybe through no fault of their intentional doing low points. You know, Sean Ryan gets hurt. Um, Sam James just kind of struggles with being a freshman who also had a case of the drops. Um, you know, Ali Jennings, freshman. Bryce Wheaton, um, redshirt freshman, so young guys who are back, but those are that's a really good place to start there too. Um, I had a hard time putting these together as trying to figure out who goes where, and I kind of went big little, big little on both of these. So I had James and Ryan together, and then Jennings and Wheaton together. Um, so starters, I should say. Hold on, so that would be James and Wheaton. Yeah, you had side. James and Wheaton and Z. Yeah, I, I misspoke. I had them together in that starting and not in the same position. So I had hmm. Sam James and Sean Ryan starting, and then I had um, the backups there being uh, Wheaton and Jennings. Um, I think that they could probably move around a bunch and play it just no matter where you want them, but they really like the guy to go up the rail on the left side. That would be James. Um, Ryan, the, the bottom guy, is typically the right side, is typically a bigger guy. From what I know, and that could all be changed because, again, we're talking about a different receivers coach here, too, who this may be good, it may be bad, it may be a great thing for a guy like Wheaton, it may be a detriment for a guy like James. Don't know, but good building blocks there. And also some guys who, who may play who are coming here, um, Sam Brown being one of them, Devell Washington being another one, big guy, and then a speed guy there, Washington and Brown respectively, too. So kind of feel like these guys are going to get a push for people who aren't here, but they have the stage themselves right now. Yeah, I think this is a great group of outside receivers. They got a combination of just a, a little bit of everything. They got the size, like you mentioned, with Sean Ryan and Bryce Whedon. They got some speed with Sam James. Uh, Devell Washington, he's a he's he's a freak. I mean, he's legit 6'4", 200-some pounds, uh, runs fast. Um, you know, people are going to look at that size and that speed and say Kevin White, but he does not have the um, – kind of side-to-side movement that Kevin White did, but he does have the straight-line speed. I think he can be an outside deep threat for this team. This year, I don't know, it's kind of crowded. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, those group of outside receivers, it's theirs and can stay theirs as long as they can uh, keep up what they did last year and improve a little bit. But, man, DeVille Washington and Sam Brown, those are two amazing additions for the outside. Inside two positions there too three if we want to count tight ends we maybe we can because they have a couple they seem to like um slot tj simmons isaiah esdale and then the oh boy i don't have my position here that's the h right yeah h y okay so the h um winston Wright, reese smith who i have a feeling is going to have a noisy spring um a new guy that people are going to see do stuff and go holy cow this guy this guy's got something here and then a tight end uh o'loughlin and tj banks who Lachlan probably cleared the bar last year as far as expectations, and Banks became um, a useful part of their plan because they needed him to to rock to block and throw his helmet in sometimes in the running game. And he did all right. We'll see if he can be a receiver too. But I kind of like this too. Um, for a quarterback, inside receivers are really important, and they have different sizes, different speeds, different abilities. But um, those four and those tight ends, again, uh, that's a pretty good thing. And I, I really have a feeling the tight ends will be busy in the spring. Yeah, I really like Michael Laughlin and, and our national analyst Steve Wilfong raved about him when West Virginia when he committed to West Virginia, thought he was a real true kind of receiver, a receiving tight end. And just to think, uh thirteen months ago he was in the portal, 
about to leave because he wasn't sure about this new coaching staff. One of the rare guys to escape and return from the portal and turned out to be the starting tight end for West Virginia this fall, and it has a really bright future. Finally, offensive line. Here, do you um, mind if I jump in here? Go for it. I got a, I'm, I got a question. This is a puzzle piece I need help with. Well, and that's and that's my question here because I like what you I like what you discussed about how Hughes kind of slid out to that right tackle spot because he could play guard or tackle, and that leaves Gamitter in at right guard, and you got the battle at center. Is there anybody else out of that interior group that got experience last year, which would be? Hughes, Gamitter, Mays, Barrett, and Brown, Mike Brown, could any of them move to left tackle? Or is this just a spot that's going to have to be filled by someone new? Probably Barrett is your only guy who could do it because he's so darn strong, and he's played some tackle before. Uh, I don't think that you could ask Mays to do it. Um, I don't think Gamitter knows enough right now to do it. It's no offense to him, but I think he's okay in the tight spaces as a guard. I don't think Brown's fast enough to do it. Okay, because that that's a tough spot, obviously. I mean, any spot on the offensive line, you, you really don't want to have young guys getting their first crack at it, but left tackle, uh, man, um, that that's going to make things tough. I mean, West Virginia has not had to worry about the left tackle position for – quite some time now uh i'm trying to think of who was right before yadney i'm blanking but obviously you know colton was great last year yadney was great before him for a couple years and uh, i think west virginia fans have forgot what it's like to have kind of a, a leaky left tackle and how big of a problem that could be for the entire offense i was going to ask you is there a bigger area of concern in the offensive line the area is no but i also really wonder is there a bigger question mark than that left tackle spot like that's the one that I mean, we talked about you know brown has to have a big year and the mic and the bandits you know so on and so forth but like singular significance you got to protect that that side of the quarterback he's got to be comfortable um it just the amount of inside and outside zone stuff they do too. your tackle has got to be a guy who can do a lot of different things in the run game as well and like i'm looking around i'm trying to figure out who goes where and i know Uzebu played there and yates i think he mostly played the right side last year only because you know he was a freshman, and what do you like? Okay, that's just there, so we're not going to screw around with that. But um, you're asking a sophomore who's hardly played and a redshirt freshman who didn't play at all to man tackle. And then I'm with you. If Hughes can do it, do it. Um, if you got a guy who's experienced and can do it, do it. I just don't know who that is. And my further concern is like I don't think Barrett's going to be around for the spring either. So there goes an even more, uh, an even greater limitation where I don't think he'd move out to tackle, but like you kind of have to concentrate on your center position too. And you might, you might suck a guy in there who could possibly be elsewhere. Well, and I think this is definitely the spot that they will continue to kind of beat the bushes in the transfer portal uh, and will not be afraid to bring someone in, in the summer and, and just give them a shot. If they're assuming there's somebody out there that's graduate transfer, multi-year starter kind of level, they're going to have to give them a look. And they tried back in December. Uh, they had, what's his name? Chris, Blake, Blake uh, from Florida, University of Florida, and he came up for a visit, and right at about the same time that he came up for a visit, word started to come out, and I presume that he told the coaching staff, and all the coaching staffs knew for all the schools, that he was going to have to have surgery on his hip, so he would miss basically all of spring and probably the coming parts of the coming year, at least spring and summer, 
and that's not something West Virginia could do. And you know, he ended up at Syracuse, but West Virginia needs a tackle that can help right away. And I think they're going to continue to try to find that before before fall camp starts. Is Gamble any type of a benefit here? Can he play tackle or can he bump someone outside to tackle in the vein that you were discussing with an inside guy who may go outside? He could, but he's got to sign and he's got to get on campus first, and that ain't looking very promising. So. Certainly not before the spring, too. Um, there are some quality walk-ons, and I'm not going to start the walk-on thing right now because I haven't mentioned Uptown Brown or Grayson Malasevich at all. Promised people that I wouldn't do that, even though they're clearly talented and have a place on the field in the spring, and we'll be writing stories about them once again. But there are some there are some guys who are going to have to play. They just don't have a ton of offensive linemen right now, too. But that's why they're here. Guys like Nick Malone, guys like Tyler, Tyler Connolly, too. Um, could they develop something there where perhaps by the end of the spring they say, this isn't a guy we can go with right now, but maybe after four weeks of camp and preseason practice, hey, we may have something here. Uh. I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's a problem. I think they're going to have to roll with, with someone like Yates or Uzebu or, or just really try to get somebody on campus this summer. I, I am, I would, for me personally, I'd put the odds of them adding someone completely out of left field on from transfers. Um, there's just as good a chance of that happening as Uzebu or Yates starting a left tackle right now because I feel like it's that big of a concern. Also, um, not deep enough or versatile enough on the defensive line where you could ship a James Gamitter from the defensive side to the offensive side and hope it works out either. You don't care for that idea, huh? <laughs> no, I don't know about that one. I'm always thinking. Yeah, you always got something, you knucklehead. Mixing it up here and wrapping it up here right now, I'm thinking that it's probably time to go because my brand of humor and style is clearly worn on Chris. Thank you for hanging out here. We uh, we ran overtime, but an exciting occasion because we're really close to football again here soon. Starts on March 10th, um, which could be the day before West Virginia plays in the Big 12 tournament. Probably two days before, but a busy time. The confluence of football and basketball. So, hey, why wait? Let's start looking forward to it, talking about it now. And more to come. Chris mentioned his impact players coming up there. I'll have a few things up my sleeve. And, hey, we can even talk about these things, about um, who we like, who we're looking forward to seeing so on and so forth in the future here. Pretty good time, right, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. And then, what, even just a couple days before that March 10th start, we got the uh, first junior day of the spring, um, February this year, as we've talked before. It, for the first time ever, is a dead period in recruiting. Typically, February is filled with junior days and visitors, and uh, that dead period ends at the end of the month. And March 7th is going to be a huge day for West Virginia uh, in recruiting. Uh, Wyatt Millam, five, uh, you know, big-time offensive tackle, top player in the state, is returning again for his second junior day and already talking about an official visit in June. Uh, a lot of big-time recruits will be there that, that weekend. So it's everything's revving back up. I don't know if it ever revved down, but it's revving back up. Well, make sure that he gets a look at the offensive line and – Picture yourself here, Wyatt. Can you play here? Probably yes. We'll see. But that's all for this time. We will talk to you next time for earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.